you bow your heads with me? And uh, maybe as you bow your heads this morning, uh, why don't you just take a moment on your own and in your own words, just thank the Lord for his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, because he's the reason, he's the whole reason why we sing and celebrate this morning. Do that now on your own. Just take a moment. Father God, we do thank you for your son, the name above all other names, the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our King, and uh, all of the reason why we celebrate, why we sing here this morning, God. Uh, we thank you for the life that we find in him and through him. Uh, Father, Lord, for those here today that maybe have never had an encounter with Jesus, uh, maybe today in some powerful way they will experience him. Uh, in a way that is life-changing, uh, potentially in a way like they never have before, God. We thank you. Lord, we want you to be glorified in this place today. And uh, even as we begin this new series here this morning, Lord, we just ask that you would guide every step of it uh, these next few weeks, Lord, and all of the words that we share, Lord. Uh, we pray for your spirit and for your presence, uh, your power through it all, God. And uh, Father, especially here today as we begin as we look at your word together today, open up our hearts, God. Give us eyes to see. And for those that are in Christ to know the power of the story that is on their life and that can be shined through their life. And again, Lord, for those that are maybe here that have never trusted Christ as Savior before, maybe these are going to be the days. This is going to be the month. These are going to be the weeks and maybe even today when they trust Christ and they turn to you and put all of their hope in you. We are praying and asking for your presence and your guidance through it all, and we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, I want to welcome you here this morning. We're so glad that you came out. You're the strong ones, right, here on Daylight Savings Morning, 9 a.m., or you have kids, and they didn't get the memo uh, that the clocks are changing, and so you are just up early today. But uh, thanks for coming out today. It's been a great morning so far. I want to invite you to take your Bibles uh, and turn to John chapter 9. Uh, if you want to use one of the Bibles around the room, it would be uh, page 747 uh, in one of those Bibles. Uh, we're going to look at a story in a few minutes out of the Gospel of John. When we say Gospel of John, we mean the good news of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each of these four gospels are an account of Jesus' life from the perspective of a different individual. John being the case of what we're going to look at today. John was a disciple of Jesus. He was very close to Jesus, and so he is providing these words for us for encouragement and life and direction, and I believe that God is going to do some incredible things, uh, again, not only today through these words, but in the weeks to come and in this series. But hey, we all love great stories, right? We're all uh, fans of stories. We love stories. It's one of the reasons why we love books, all right? Think about some of your favorite books if you're a reader. Uh, we love great books, because we love great stories. Like I remember reading a few years back Lauren Hildenbrandt's book, Unbroken, uh, the story of World War II survivor Louis Zamperini. And I would say that's one of the greatest books uh, that I have ever read in my life, and I couldn't put it down. And so every night for me, I like to read before I go to bed. Every night, I just, it was like just one more chapter, just one more chapter. Uh, it was, again, just a, a great story. But uh, what about some of your favorite movies? All right, think about some of those favorite movies. We love movies, all right, because we love stories. How many of you have seen the movie The Greatest Showman? 
Uh, anybody seen that? All right. I, I went and saw that a few weeks, few weeks back uh, with my wife. I'm not a big fan of musicals, all right, but I love my wife, all right, and I love date Fridays with Jenny, and so she suggested we go see The Greatest Showman, and sure enough, about five seconds into it, I was like, yep, it's a musical, all right, but uh, it's a fantastic movie, a, a really good story, and don't forget about some of your favorite storytellers either. Uh, Think about those that just have this knack for telling a compelling story. I got to thinking about some of my favorite teachers and pastors this week. Many of them have this gift for telling compelling stories because we all love great stories. They move in us. There's something about a good story that uh, captivates our attention and sometimes even our imaginations too. Here's the thing. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, If you think about your life today, if you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, if you call yourself a Christian, you have a story to tell. You have a story to tell of God's work in your life. It's your story of encountering Jesus, his love, and his forgiveness, and trusting him with all of your life. It's the story of how you found your way back to God. It's your my way back story. But here's the thing. I think, unfortunately, for so many of us, even as Christians, you know what? We don't share our stories like we should. We don't share that story of Christ's work in our life like we should. We don't talk about what he's, what he's done for us. We don't talk about what he's doing in our lives. And maybe, maybe it's because we just don't think it's a good story. You know, that you think about your story of coming to Christ and you say, you know what, it's boring. There's not really anything compelling or exciting to share. Or I think that sometimes we're afraid to share our stories because we're not sure of what others will think. Or we're not sure of how they'll respond. Or maybe we're ashamed of some of the things in our past that really are a big part of our story. I think there are other occasions, too, where we would just say, you know, if we're honest, you know what, I don't don't even know how to tell my story. I don't even know how to begin to share what Christ has done in my life. See, here's the thing about your My Way Back story. You're supposed to share it. We have this responsibility. There's this call on us as followers of Christ, to share the story, the good news of God's work in our life. The Apostle Paul realized this. All right, he recognized this in his life. Look at these words from Acts chapter 20, verse 24. Here's what the Apostle Paul had to say. He says, you know what? My life is worth nothing to me. Note these words. Unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. Look what that work is. What's this work he's been assigned to do? The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. See, the Apostle Paul had a my way back story. All right, if you know his story, his, his before Jesus story uh, was a story, was a life of opposing anyone who followed Jesus, but all of that changed for Paul one day on the road to Damascus, and it was there that he had a real uh, physical encounter with Jesus, and from that day forward, he realized that he needed to share his story of encountering the love of Jesus so that others might come to know and experience the love of Christ too, and so he made it his life's mission. All right, to share this story, to share the good news of God's work in his life over and over again. You know what? In the very same way as the Apostle Paul, some of you here today have a day or you have an event, all right, that changed your life forever too. And maybe that moment, maybe that day, maybe that event, maybe it comes to mind for you even this morning. For others of us, maybe your story of finding your way back to God happened over a period of time. And so it was a, it was a season. There were some years attached to it and really coming to know Christ. And then for some of us in the room today, maybe if you're honest, you only have a before Jesus story. 
All right, and you're still living in those days. You haven't put your faith in Christ yet, or you haven't made the decision to follow Jesus. I, w- I want you to know that uh, wherever you are on the spectrum right now, this is going to be a great series. I-, I am really excited for this series these next few weeks, and I think it's one that's going to encourage us in so many different ways. In fact, I think, I believe, these next few weeks might be a real difference maker for some of you. Uh, These might be the next few weeks that change everything for you. Maybe change the way you see your life. Maybe see the way you see others around you, the way you live your life each day and for others and for the Lord here in this world. Maybe it'll change the way you see your role. Uh, Another disciple of Jesus, Peter, said this about our responsibility as followers of Christ in 1 Peter 3.15. He says, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Now, don't miss these words. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so if you put your trust in Jesus Christ, according to Peter here, you have a hope, all right, that no one else in this world has, all right, that is those who are apart from Christ. And if you believe that to be true, all right, if you've allowed that to penetrate your heart and your mind and you believe that to be true and you believe that Jesus is the only hope for our broken world and you believe that you have found them the answer that so many are searching for, well, then wouldn't the most unloving thing you could ever do to not tell anyone the truth of what God has done for you in Jesus Christ and how you see the world differently today and all of the difference that it's making in your life? And besides, and here's a really good thing, it's not like you have to have all of the answers, all right? We're going to see this in this man in John chapter 9 today. He didn't have all of the answers, All he knew is that Jesus had changed his life. And so for him and for you and me, it's about learning to tell that story. And so during this series, we want to equip you. I mean, in many ways, this is a preparation sort of a series. There's going to be some homework uh, attached to this series, all right, because it's a series about equipping and challenging one another to share our My Way Back stories with those that we come in contact with each day. But before we do that, I want to share with you the story of someone in our church. Uh, This is Trent's My Way backstory. Check this out. Kind of felt disconnected that there was always something missing where I wasn't raised going to church on a consistent basis. I guess I was kind of going through the motions, I guess, in the Christianity sense where I knew who Jesus was. I wasn't actively living out my faith or uh, sharing anything that God was doing in me. The focus of my life at that time was things of this world like Uh, sports in high school or uh, chasing girls or just things that really didn't have eternal value. I actually started going to church uh, because I was dating my wife now uh, at the time so and I really just went to impress her and in college uh, my freshman year I decided to get baptized Uh, so I Again, that was more of the going through the motions of Christianity. The the intent behind it wasn't to have the relationship that I have now. It was to um, put a check in the box that, yeah, I was going to go to heaven. When we started coming to Genesis about five years ago, joined a men's group and really started to unpack who Jesus was while he was here on earth and the fact that um, I could live that out while I'm here on earth. And as a matter of fact, that's what we're called to do. I was opening up scripture more. I was praying more specifically about what's my identity and be um, affirmed in that. And Jesus showed up time after time in that prayer. So um, I'd pray specific things like, Lord, how do you see me? 
and he would show up through scripture and just encourage my heart and say, you're good, you are good time after time. Your identity now is, um, is affirmed and what's next and how can we do kingdom work while we're here on earth? And so that's been the biggest shift for me where it wasn't necessarily anything dramatic that happened um, overnight, but the changes started showing up in my heart first and then I saw it through my actions or through conversations that I'd have with people who uh, wanted to know more about, about Jesus or I saw an opportunity to share what God's doing in my life. I know that he loves me and I know that um, uh, I'm not always perfect, but uh, he has a plan for my life and that he uh, desires to spend time with me. So, I'm Trent Dahlstrom and that's my way back. Hey, let's celebrate these stories. Isn't that a great story? You know, and as we have the opportunity over the next few weeks to hear these different stories in person or through something like video, I just want you to identify and notice just some of those commonalities, the before Christ, you know, and that moment of coming to Christ, even how God uses different people. And maybe for you, there's a person uh, in your life. Maybe there's somebody that you would point to that was kind of pointing you to Jesus, maybe a moment of baptism, all right, maybe some explanation of what's happened since. And my life isn't perfect, you know, since I am perfect in Christ. But here's what God, God, here's what Christ is doing in me. And here's how he's changing me now. So thank you, Trent, for, for sharing uh, your story. And so we want to look at a bunch of these stories together because, again, we've all got a story uh, to share. And so how do you learn to tell your story? All right, that's really a, a big part of this series, a, a big question in this series. Well, I want to say it begins with knowing your story, and I think part of that uh, lesson comes from writing out your story, of actually doing the work of copying down your story. And we'll talk more about that in just a few minutes. But first, I want to introduce you to someone else. I want to introduce you to someone uh, who had a story to tell, and uh, we meet him here in the Gospel of John in John chapter 9, if you're in your Bibles. And uh, he, like the Apostle Paul, had a face-to-face -face encounter with Jesus. Now, I want you to notice right away in this text that we never learn the man's name. All right, we never get a name. We only know one thing about him. Let's pick it up in John chapter 9, verse 1, if you want to follow along with me. Here's what John records. He says, as he, that's Jesus in this case, he's referring to Jesus here, went along. And uh, just to give you some context from the last couple of chapters, Jesus has left the temple, all right? And so he's maybe somewhere along the southern steps, all right, which many of these events took place. John chapter 9, again, verse 1, as he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, because this man was born blind, it's fair to say that life wasn't easy for him, all right? Because uh, of his disability, uh, there were only certain things that he was able to do, and there was only one thing in particular that he did each day, and that was to sit and beg day after day. That was his method of survival. Now, I think it's interesting to note, too, that he didn't find Jesus, but Jesus found him which I think is just a wonderful reminder for all of us and that this is so like our God. The scriptures speak over and over again and describe a loving God who pursues us. You know, that's what he's up to in some of your lives. Maybe even the reason why you're here this morning, he is pursuing you and he's drawing you in and that's what's happening here for this man. And for Jesus, he's with his disciples, all right? They're following him. And like so many encounters in the Bible, this is going to be a teaching moment for his disciples too. Verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, 
this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Now, disciples were applauded for asking great questions of their rabbi. In fact, I once read that when a, ra- or a, a, a student, when a disciple would come home to their parents as a young boy, their parents wouldn't ask, what did you learn today? But a better question was, hey, what great questions did you ask today? And so the disciples should be applauded for their question here. It's a great question because there was a commonly held Jewish belief that circumstances like these in this young man were the result of the sin of his parents. Look at Jesus' response, verse 3. He says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in his life. Now, notice right away that Jesus isn't interested in talking about the cause of the man's blindness, but he will point to the purpose that God can bring from it, the potential story that can emerge from this man's life. Verse 4. Jesus says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. Jesus says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And so this is Jesus' way of saying that he's only got so much time here on this earth to complete the work that the Father has given him. He knows the cross is coming. But then he turns his attention from addressing the disciples to this blind man. Now try and put yourself in this blind man's shoes for just a moment. And again, don't forget the detail that John has included here, that this man has been blind from birth. And because he's been blind from birth, it just means that he could not conceive of things like light or any combination of colors whatsoever. Darkness is all this man has ever known. Verse 6, after saying this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. And I got to ask, why you got to be weird, Jesus, right? You know, I mean, you know, his disciples in that moment think, embarrassing, like, here he goes, like, what are you doing? Like, this poor, innocent man, and Jesus is making mud out of the dirt. And you know what? There are all sorts of theories uh, that are given of why Jesus did this. Some believe it's a link uh, to the creation account in Genesis when God formed man from the dust of the ground, that Jesus was potentially acting in the same way. I, I believe a more likely scenario uh, has to do with the fact, and this is a detail that we get within the context of the passage, that it's the Sabbath. All right, it's the Sabbath in Jerusalem, and so Jesus is doing work. All right, he's violating the Sabbath by bending down and working the mud together with his hands. And so it's Jesus' way of upsetting these Sabbath laws that he believe are all out of whack. But then there's this to consider. Look at verse 7. Look what Jesus tells him. He says, go, he told him, and wash in the pool of Siloam. And so Jesus puts mud on his eyes, and then he directs him. He sends him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now... If you make a trip to Jerusalem, you can see the Pool of Siloam today. And here's a pretty fascinating picture of one portion of the Pool of Siloam. It's a rock-cut pool on the southern slope of the city of David, the original site of Jerusalem. Uh, It's located outside of the old city, just to the southeast. And the pool was fed by the waters of the Gihon Spring and carried to this place by two different aqueducts. Now, there are two pools there today. There is this one, which they believe is a 
little more modern. And then there's a more recent discovery about 70 yards away from this location, and it's an active dig today. They are excavating it today. I was reading this morning that they believe it could be one of the greatest uh, kind of discoveries when it's finished, really, maybe of, uh, you know, the, uh, the, this, this current decade. And so the Pool of Siloam, again, you can see it with your own eyes, but the Pool of Siloam is significant, all right, and then it's connected to the events of the Feast of Tabernacles, all right, which is the whole reason why Jesus is in Jerusalem, and the waters of the Pool of Siloam represented things like deliverance and healing from God. Whatever the case, Jesus puts mud on the man's eyes, and then he sends him there to wash his face, and I just can't help but wonder what that was like for the man. Like, what was that like for him in that moment, the moment that Jesus started putting mud on his eyes? Like, what was it like? Was it humiliating at all? Or, or we don't know for sure, but I even asked this as I was looking at this. Like, you know, even as Jesus put that mud on his eyes, was the healing already underway? Like, did this man notice that something was changing? Something was different, even in that very moment. Like, what if the presence of the mud prevented him from seeing completely, but potentially allowed for the light to start creeping in? And then there's the walk to the pool. And again, we're just supposing all of this, but what in that walk to the pool, as that light is creeping in, his heart just starts beating more and more rapidly, and the possibility of sight, and the light is breaking through. And so the faster he moves towards the water until he finally falls to his knees, and he washes his face and he realizes for the first time in his life that he can see that he is a brand new person and do you think this man went back to begging no way I don't think so no way absolutely not he's a changed man in fact if you go on and read these next few verses it just points to the conversations and the encounters that this man is going to have with his family and friends because he can see now all right that that's big news all right, and so there's lots of questions that are going to emerge from this. He, this man had a story to share. You can't undergo a transformation like this in your life and not tell your story of how it came to be. Now, fast forward a few more verses if you still have your Bible open, and this man is ordered to appear before the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, and they're not happy. They're not happy about this news. They dislike Jesus. They dislike any positive media that he's getting whatsoever. And so they bring this formerly blind man before their religious group, and they interrogate him. And they just start firing questions at him. And they're making these assumptions and these conclusions of Jesus and being a sinner. And what right does he have to violate the Sabbath? And why in the world do you say you can see now and you're directing it to Jesus? It must be something else. And I just want you to see the man's response. And it's not much, but yet so significant and it says so much about his story and I think really highlights for us a reality that should be present in every person's story of trusting Christ. Look at verse 25 and look at his response to them. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. Well, one thing I do know is this. I was blind and now I see. Basically, he's saying, you know what? I don't know all of your questions. I can't put all of the pieces together for you. I can't explain Jesus or explain exactly why he does who he is, what he says about himself. All I can say is this. I encountered him, and I was blind, but now I see something has changed, and I will never again be the same. Jesus has changed my life. Here's, here's the thing for you and me. This man's story 
I believe, can provide for us a simple example for writing and sharing our own story, especially if you look at it in three parts. And if you've got your message notes in today and you're following along, copy this down. The first thing is this. I want you to notice the first part, and that is that my life before Jesus part. All right, and we don't know a lot about this man's story, all right, before Jesus. I'm sure there's so many other things that he could share about his story if he had the time. But what we do know is this, he was blind, and now he can see. That's who he was before he met Jesus. And so let me just ask you today, as you think about your own story of coming to Christ, what was your life like before you met Jesus? What was your life like before Jesus? How would you describe your life before you trusted Christ? And if you grew up around church, what was your life like? Before you got serious about following Jesus. Our our before Jesus days can describe our own spiritual blindness, really. And really God's pursuit of us when we were lost. And so your my way back story begins with who you were before Jesus. But here's the second thing. The second thing is the how I started following Jesus part. All right, the blind man in John's story stood face to face with Jesus. He stood there as Jesus caked the mud on his eyes, and then he responded in obedience by going and washing in the pool of Siloam, and it was there that he discovered his sight. And what is it for you? Again, as you think about your story, how did you find your way back to God? What was the big moment for you? How would you describe that moment when you encountered the love of Christ and the grace of God and You surrendered your life to him for that first time in your life. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe you've got an individual in mind, somebody that invited you to church. Or maybe it was a close family member uh, that shared the good news of Jesus with you. Uh, Maybe as you look back in your life, maybe you went through a really tough time, a really difficult time, and it was in some really dark moments that you encountered Jesus in ways like you never had before. Or as you think about that moment of coming to Christ, was there a baptism moment attached to it? How you met Jesus and responded to the message of his love is an important part of any My Way Back story. The third thing is this. It's the my life since I met Jesus. Our friend from the story replied, I was blind, but now I see. And we don't know the rest of his story. We're only left to wonder. But for you who are here today, you need to ask yourself, how has my life changed since I trusted Jesus Christ? How, how have my priorities and my purpose uh, changed or Maybe you'd say, you know, here's why God and my relationship with him is the most important thing in my life. How has your view of others changed? What, do you, what is it that you want others to see in your life now? Or how has knowing Jesus impact the way you serve, the way you work, the way you spend your money, and the way you live and exist in this world? Here's a challenge for us today, and really for these next few weeks, that no matter who you are, No matter how young or how old you are, no matter how exciting or boring you think your story might be, if you're in Christ Jesus, you have a story to tell. You have a story to tell, and it's the story of God's forgiveness of your sins and his work in you and through you in Jesus Christ. And maybe more than you believe right now, God wants to use your story. He wants to use your story of coming to Christ to draw others to Christ so that they too may know the power and the benefit of his great love. Look at Paul's words one more time, Acts 20, 24. He says, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And I know that I don't have to tell many of you this, but for those of you that are new, our mission as a church is helping people find their way back to God. 
That's what we've committed ourselves to, our lives to as a church. And one of the most effective ways, I believe, that we can do this is for each of us to go out and live intentionally for the Lord, to go out and live faithfully for the Lord, and be prepared, as Peter commands us, to share the story of what Christ has done for us and what he is doing in us. And so again, this series is all about better preparing and equipping both you and me to do just that. And so I've got two challenges for you this morning. It's kind of like homework, all right? And so don't walk out on us or not come back next week because of it. But when you came in today, you should have received a sheet that looks just like this. And if you didn't get one, you can get one on your way out this morning. Uh, We've got a copy of it here on the screen as well, although I know that would be difficult for you to read. But uh, this is something that I hope you'll do some work on because sharing your story means knowing your story. All right, and for some of us, knowing your story, well, it can be helpful to spend some time actually writing out your story. And so again, if you received one of these when you came back, I want to invite you to do some work this week, to spend some time, to set aside some time working on and reflecting on your story. Like, how would you describe your life before you met Jesus? All right, or uh, just describing that moment of meeting him and of surrendering your life to him or, or answering that question, the third part of what has your life been like since? And so I hope you'll set aside some time and, and just practice writing down your story, practice sharing your story, uh, practice it as a family. Maybe you've got a friend in your life that you can spend some time sharing your story with. Uh, maybe your connection group, all right? Maybe you're making an assignment over the next few weeks as a group to share your stories with one another. Maybe there's somebody that's investing in you, somebody that you're spending time with. And maybe this is an assignment where you can sit down with them and work through these things together, all right? But the goal is, could you share your story in 150 words or less, all right? Could you share your story in two minutes or less? But the second thing is this, and we think this is just going to be a fun part of this activity, but I want to challenge you to record your story. All right, I want to challenge you to record your story, like as a way of taking the first step and also as a way, again, of encouraging our church family. I want to challenge you to record it by taking out your phone at some point, and whether someone helps you or you do it for yourself, record your story. And again, we've put some simple instructions for you on there about how you might do just that. But as you record it or when you record it, would you be willing to email it to us? And we've put an email address here on the sheet where you can send that to. You'll see it down there, mywayback at genesischurch.me. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to put these stories on our Vimeo page so that everyone can watch them. And I'll tell you, there are already 12 there this morning. And so even as you leave today, you can check those out, many of them from our staff right now. In fact, I think they're all from our staff right now. But uh, even starting today or tomorrow, you can begin emailing these back. But just to give you an example, I could tell you my story, or I could also show it to you. So check this out. Hi, I'm Paul Mumaw, and this is my way back story. You know, looking back on my childhood, I've got so much to be thankful for. Uh, Really good family. A great church that I grew up in, and I even went to a Christian school. But when I was 12 years old, I was starting to realize that I had to make a personal choice. And so it was at a summer camp that I made a decision uh, to trust Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And not too long after that, I was baptized at, well, the church I grew up in, Illinois, uh, baptized by my youth pastor, Jeff, in front of my family, my friends, uh, that church, just so many people that it had a really great impact uh, on my life. And from there, the last 30 years have really been all about learning to follow Jesus. 
And looking back on those years, there have been some really good seasons, some seasons of growth. And, but there's been some other seasons, too, that as I look back on them, they were, they were dry, they were tough, and I was a little complacent in my faith. But one thing that I've learned is that God has loved me through it all, and He's grown me and stretched me and all of those seasons. Uh, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 have been important words for me. Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and the promises that he will make our paths straight. And so my life really has been all about learning to follow Jesus. Uh, He's the most important person in my life and I want him to influence everything that I am as a husband, as a father, as a pastor, as a friend. Um, I'm learning to trust him more and more each day and my hope is that others will come to know and experience his love Uh, maybe through my life too. Uh, And so again, I'm Paul, and that's my way back story. Here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to give you a couple minutes right now. And uh, maybe you've got this sheet in front of you, and if you don't have one, you don't need it. Uh, But maybe you can start taking some notes. Maybe you already have. Uh, Maybe looking through some of these questions. Uh, Before we go on, we're going to close with one last song in just a moment. We want to give you three or four minutes. To just make some notes. Think about your story before Christ, coming to Christ, since Christ. And I realize that for some of you, it's maybe just a before Jesus sort of a question right now. And that's okay too. This is a good place for that. But take a few minutes and then we'll pray and close together in one last song. We just take that time now. You know, here's what I know to be true. That God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay a price for my life that I could never pay or cover on my own. And my Savior, Jesus, gave his life for me and rose from the dead so that I could have life. And as the scriptures say, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and uh, Savior before, I, I just want you to know that that same truth is available for you. And it'll change you. It'll change you as it changed this man who had no sight and then was able to see and Well, God can do this very same thing for you in your life. He loves you, all right? He loves you deeply. He sent his Savior for you. And maybe for some of you this morning, he's, well, he's been pursuing you, and he's waiting for you to respond to that love. And if you've never done that before, if you don't even know where to begin with something like that, I want you to know we'll be up front afterwards. We'd love to talk with you this morning. We'd love to answer any questions that you might have. And for the rest of us, for the rest of us that have trusted Christ as Savior, Imagine this, like imagine if our church, if Genesis were responsible in some way for contributing to a movement, all right, of the sharing of the good news all around central Indiana that just began to spread beyond this place. That like sharing our stories and the good news of Jesus Christ wasn't even something we had to think about, but it became so natural for us that we shared it in every conversation, in every moment, and in every encounter, and sometimes with words too. And that people would see and hear these words in our life and they would represent the actions that we were living by as well. And people would find their way back to God in Jesus Christ. And what a glorious day, right? To celebrate, to celebrate God's work here and through Genesis and through other churches in this community. 
so that everyone might know and encounter the love of our Savior Jesus. Will you stand with us this morning as we sing, as we declare, as we pray, as we hope and we believe what God wants to do through us in this church together. Father, we pray that uh, your work in us would continue well beyond this place today. We thank you for the reminder this morning of your son Jesus. Uh, Without him, none of this is possible. And so we thank you for the gift of your love and again of a Savior the forgiver of our sins, Jesus Christ, Lord. And uh, man, we want to be changed by you. And so thank you for the encouragement here today. Thank you for the just kind of motivation in us today, Lord, to know our story, to share our story and remind us, well, that begins as soon as we walk out these doors and the people that we come in contact with, not only sharing the love of God, but also sharing the story of your work in our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.